We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Villato. Tonight we are going to break down another player in our NFL Draft Profile series. It's another offensive player, and it's not so much a player I'm very excited about. So I'm excited to hear what Nick has to say in his opinion after evaluating this prospect, because he's not somebody I even have on my radar. And we're going to get to kind of that extreme take, because ultimately we'll see what Nick says but this is not a player I'm really interested at all for the Giants specifically I think he has a lot of upside potentially for the NFL in the right system and that player is Miami tight end Brevin Jordan if you want to call him a tight end I don't know exactly if that fits but we'll get to that as well now this is an interesting take even for me to start because I remember watching him during the season and texting my buddy Vince uh, one of my good friends from home Vince Jesus and saying listen this kid's awesome what tell me about this guy this guy looks freakish out there and that can happen a lot when you watch one or two plays of a prospect when you start to really dive into them you start to watch the film and you start to read more about them you start to study some of the advanced stats the analytics everything like that you can ultimately have a different take on a prospect, especially as they potentially might fit your system. And so that's kind of what came to with Brevin Jordan. It's less so me not liking him for the NFL, more so me not liking him for the Giants. But before we do dive into any of that, let's talk about the things that you do like, Nick, after watching his film. So break down Brevin Jordan's strengths on film. So I think it's important to note that he came in, started as a true freshman 2018, and he's played for actually in three seasons, I know, four offensive coordinators because in 2018 there were co-offensive coordinators Thomas Brown and Ron Dugans and then in 2019 they brought in Dan Enos all three of them like to utilize him around 57 percent as an inline tight end so a wide tight end on the line of scrimmage and then Rhett Lashley comes in and that percentage drops to 17.8 percent and he's basically relegated to a slot big wide receiver type of role 
And I think that makes sense because he has a big frame, he's athletic, and he has really good receiving skills. I mean, I really... He's not gigantic as a tight end. I think he has solid overall size and weight. Looks like he can probably bulk a little bit more mass onto his frame. His his lower half isn't as big and like bulky as some some other tight ends, so he doesn't really get as much power from from the lower half. But I mean, 2020 Brevin Jordan, the one that played in the slot, he also seemed different from 2019 Brevin Jordan in a in a good manner. I watched his 2019 game against Florida, and his routes, man, they, they lack this urgency. I didn't see a lot of suddenness in and out of his breaks and. I didn't see that high-end athletic ability that that I was told that he had until he got the football in his hands. And then you kind of see the acceleration and things like that. But 2020 was a bit different, all right? He, he He was still a beast with the football in his hands, showing exceptional acceleration, some good contact balance, just runs right through arm tackles, which I love to see. And he also has impressive speed. But in 2020, his route running was a little bit better as well. It wasn't great, but it was definitely better. He seemed more sudden. Again, he was being used more as a wide receiver in Lashley's offense. But I, I was a little bit intrigued by his 2020 tape. Jordan, I mean, he had a lot of success against middle-of-the-field open type of defenses, and his routes were good in that area. He would explode out of from the slot, lean the opposite direction into his break, explode off that outside foot, and safeties were nowhere to be found. He scored a couple touchdowns doing that, so he was really good up the seam, on those skinny posts, on those deep posts, in those types of manners. And I think he also does a solid job using his bigger frame as a receiver, love his ability to separate from linebackers and be a mismatch weapon for whatever offense he lands on. He did that for Miami as well. Also love how he competes as a blocker. He does have quick feet, and he mirrors well in pass protection. His technique isn't great. We'll get into that in a little bit, but he does compete his ass off. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things to like about Brevin Jordan, so I don't want to pigeonhole myself and have people come back and be like, you didn't like Brevin Jordan. No, I like Brevin Jordan as a prospect. I just don't like him as a fit for the New York Giants, and that's ultimately what we're doing here. We're trying to break down these players for the Giants, and there's a lot to like about him as a prospect, though, so I want to get into some things that stood out to me. One, he was 24-7 sports' number one tight end prospect coming out. That's good. 6'3", 245, like Nick said, he is so fast for his size, so fast, and more so than this overall, like, just kind of straight line raw speed, I guess you would say, the 40 times speed, would be the acceleration. That's the best way. That's the number one trait I see when I watch this guy in film. His acceleration is super ridiculously impressive. His post guy, he kind of reminds me in that way a lot of Evan Ingram, actually. I'm not saying they're similar prospects at all, but as far as just their post-catch acceleration, he reminds me a lot of Evan Ingram. They even try to get him on, in on some of those quick routes in space like Ingram, where he can then try to beat the defenders around the edge with his acceleration. So that's great. He has NFL bloodlines. His dad was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons, though. It was a little sad for me to research that one because I saw his dad was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons in 1990, which was after I was born. So that means a player entering the NFL this next season will be hat will have had a father who was drafted into the NFL after I was born. That's just great. That shows just how young, I guess how much older we're getting, Nick. But that I liked. I like the fact that he had 21 broken tackles on 105 catches in his Miami career. That's big time stuff. Like you said, his acceleration through contact, his ability to continue to, to hold up from a balance standpoint after contact and to continue after that catch is really good. He's really got that rare you know, ability to kind of cut and just overall agility for what you would consider somebody who's 245 pounds. It's similar, similar things to what we would think of a prospect like him. He also had the stats to back it up. He had a 2.93 yards per route run versus man coverage last season, according to Pro Football Focus. Now, what does that tell me? It tells me linebackers can't cover him. It tells me the people they put in the slot against him can't cover him. 
He also had a 2.42 yards per route run in total, which was actually the highest among all tight ends, including our boy, Kyle Pitts, because his was 2.24. And then most importantly, I think the thing you're banking on with a guy like Brevin Jordan is just what he can become based on his athletic upside and based on what Nick said, the fact that he made such a major impact at such a young age. His breakout age was 18.1, which is the 99th percentile. And obviously, age is a big topic in the community, the draft community, the fantasy community. Some people put more credence in it than others. Um, but there are some stats and there is some evidence to suggest that breaking out at a younger age is really important. And obviously, you know, when you're dominating players. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you're 22 or 24 at the collegiate level and you're dominating 18-year-olds, it's a little different than when you're 18. You still have a long, long way to go as far as growing into your body and developing as an athlete overall, no matter what position you play, and you're dominating. So those are all good things. He also had the highest passer rating when targeting among all draft-eligible tight ends, including Kyle Pitts at 148.7. I think this is a bit of a misleading stat. <laughs> passer rating, it's one of the worst stats out there in general for quarterbacks, and in this case, for people catching the best from quarterbacks, but it's something to note. All right, Nick, now let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk about some of the weaknesses that you saw in Brevin Jordan's game. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. You've heard us talking about it before, and we're back again to talk to you about hosting your own podcast here at Blue Wire. And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. 
Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So, if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. All right, Nick, let's break down some of the weaknesses that you saw in Brevin Jordan's game. Yeah, people may refer to Brevin Jordan as a poor man's Kyle Pitts and I don't think that's completely unfair, but I mean, Pitts is just far superior and he was also, let's be honest, on a, on a better offense than Brevin Jordan. But Jordan, I mean, on the line of scrimmage, he has a solid two-step release, but he's still developing his release off the line of scrimmage. He's not even close to being as fluid or as competent as Kyle Pitts in that area. And I probably shouldn't even compare him to Kyle Pitts because Pitts is such a superior type of prospect, but they're just similar in the fact that they're not blocking tight ends and they're more receiving type of guys. Right. Now, Brevin Jordan needs some refinement with those releases. Like I said, I really wish he was a bit better in contested catch situations. I mean, it just left me wanting more from him, which I found to be problematic, especially for a receiving tight end who's a bit of a bigger body sometimes he would use his body well yet still fail to kind of haul in the catch through a tight window and I don't even know if it's necessarily a hands thing or a concentration thing or what it is but it's definitely something that's problematic his route tree was also a bit limited I mean the reason that quarterback number is so high is because he ran a ton of bubble uh, screens a lot of quick flare outside and then the good routes that he showed on tape were the ones through the middle of the field I felt like he excelled in those areas but still there were a lot of design touches for Brevin Jordan and you don't want to see that all the time in college you want to see him defeat the the opponents and not with these design touches or you know the offensive coordinator using motion to always get him open now you could say well that's just a smart offensive coordinator and I'd say yes but at the same time you want to see him defeat the coverage just off of his pure athletic ability or skill set and you don't see that consistently with him and that's probably one reason why he only had what 38 catches I think this season and then the blocking gives me concern and it's not due to effort like I said I mean who does that sound like? Evan Ingram a little bit, but again, this guy does try his ass off, but fails to put himself into a good position while he's blocking. He just misframes his blocking assignments kind of a lot, to be honest. He does a good job attempting to adjust, but just isn't great when asked to kind of step and square, nor when he's asked to locate in space. Those location ability is adequate at best. It may be fair to say it was better in 2020, but I think that's more of a product of him not being in line as much. And when in line, Jordan... He just dropped his head a bit too much, hugs, does the whole tonging thing, doesn't explode with his elbows tight and kind of get his hands inside to command the point of attack. It just wasn't his game really as a blocker. It's probably another reason why he was moved out to the slot to kind of enhance his overall athletic ability so the offense could take advantage of that. But you combine that lack of ability to really own the point of attack and with the struggles to locate in space, and it's it's something that has to be acknowledged. I mean, he's a low upside type of blocker is probably something I would say. He's much more of a receiving threat than anything else. But with that said, though, man, I, I do love how he just competes as a blocker. There's something to be said for that, but he doesn't have that Y tight end type of profile, and I really hate that train. 
<laughs> not doesn't have that type of wide profile, and he really doesn't have that type of wide frame. And like Nick Setti alluded to a bit, there are some similarities in my mind to watching Brevin Jordan on tape and then to what I remember Evan Ingram coming out as a prospect. They're not the same prospect by any means. I mean, their body types aren't even very similar. Uh, Brevin Jordan's a much more thick, compact lower body, and I think he really is much projects as a potentially better blocker even though he's not now if that makes any sense just based on the frame but either way neither has an inline tight end blocking frame he would project as kind of like a Kyle Shanahan offense h-back type blocker maybe if he gets to his peak my biggest issues and I want to touch on them one by one with Jordan and see where you stand on the first one would be um the fact that he only caught 11 of 33 contested catch situations when I see something like that somebody who's that poor in contested catch situations and then you watch the film and not only is he not great in contested catch situations but he's also showing off a lot of body catches more body catches than you want the hands besides obviously the design plays that just get him the ball quickly in space the easy grabs the ones that are more difficult that you dig for a little deeper you start to see some body catches you start to see him not come down with contested catches to me, that's one of the worst traits you can have projecting to the next level. Is that something that concerns you with his game, or do you feel like he can grow into that role a little bit more? Or, I guess, grow into that trait? I don't really know how it even frame it. Is that something that concerns you a lot, is I guess how I would ask this. Yeah, you want to see a player who can, like we said in the Terrace Marshall uh, podcast a little while ago, you want to see a player who can kind of jump up, extend from his frame, use strong hands to bring it into his body, and you really just don't see that too often with Brevin Jordan. It's more body catches. Now, there are times where, yes, he has done it, so you know, don't come at me with a bunch of clips like, look, he's doing it here. <laughs> yeah. But again, like, it's not overly consistent, and there were times on the film that I've seen where I was like, okay, he has leverage, he has position, it's tighter coverage, but he should make this catch, and he just couldn't come up with it. Right. And that happened multiple times, and it just leaves you wanting more, and that's kind of the way I describe and it's, I think it's a solid way to kind of describe Brevin Jordan's athletic upside comparison to kind of some of the catches that he made. But granted, at the same time, this dude did have seven touchdowns this past year. The guy was able to catch some long balls, and a lot of them were over the middle of the field. Uh, look, the middle of the field open type of look. I feel like he can excel in those areas, but a lot of those plays, like, there were no one even close to him when he was catching yeah, the football. I was going to say, splitting those double safety looks in the ACC is just so unimpressive to me from a projection standpoint. I've seen so many atrocious ACC and Big 12 cover two type defenses or just two high safety type looks with the middle of the field open where just speed against those type of college athletes, you can split the defense and turn it into a big play. So I get that, but I also just, I don't know how well that translates, I guess, to the NFL game. Um, so that concerns me too. I would ask you this, Nick. We'll dive into some questions about the potential of Brevin Jordan to the New York Football Giants, and we'll start with this. Do you feel that the Giants can find a consistent role for Brevin Jordan in year one, two, or three? And let's start with year one. And if not, where would you be comfortable taking a bit player like Brevin Jordan? For me, it would probably be early on day three for the New York Giants specifically. And, I mean, the Giants just brought back Levine Toy Lolo, so they have three tight ends that they seem like they want to right. have because Joe Judge has spoken really highly of Evan Ingram. So I don't necessarily see why they would invest one of their few picks into the tight end position on, on a player that's not Kyle Pitts and maybe even Pat Fryermuth, who I'm going to get into here in, in the next couple weeks. But yeah, man, I mean, with Brevin Jordan, I, I'm not I'm not so certain. I mean, because I, I like how you can design him to get into space, but who does that sound like? And I'm not saying that these players are the same with Evan Ingram and Brevin Jordan, but we don't think Jason Garrett does a good job doing that for Evan Ingram. Why do we think he's going to do a good job doing that for Brevin Jordan? Yeah, and that doesn't even touch on the fact that, like, yeah, that's a huge concern. That's the number one concern. The other would be, like, how do you even get him on the field? Where Whose snaps is he taking? And then are you using these constant 12 and 13 personnel looks? I really... 
I, I, the Giants just can't expect to compete with the Chiefs and the Bills of this NFL if they're just constantly in 12 and 13 and there's no space and there's no openness to their offense. So I don't like the fit at all. To me, again, I would see I might be comfortable with him on day three. I'm not interested really in him on day three at all, though, because then I'm, I think that's the range they can find, like second-level, third-level defenders who fit the Giants system perfectly and they can get great value out of. I think that's the range where you draft more linemen. You always should be drafting offensive linemen. It's like continue to put talent and competition there, continue to put players you can develop there. So I don't really see a fit for him from that standpoint. But I want to ask you something that would concern me even more. It's everything I've seen from him when I've watched him, plus everything you read about him and what people think that you know his fit would be, would be for kind of that Shanahan, Gary Kubiak system that has a lot of drags, a lot of flats, and a lot of seams. Now, Jason Garrett's offense didn't really have a lot of that last year. Do you feel like that ultimately just kind of would rule him out for this specific system entirely? I don't think it would rule him out, but it's just resource allocation at this point. Yeah. The Giants need a lot, and they need to invest in a lot of other places, and tight end is somewhat of a luxury unless it's Kyle Pitts. So uh, that that's kind of where... I stand on that. And I want to play devil's advocate for a second. And we brought it up a little bit on the Kyle Pitts podcast, I believe. Sure. But I guess the argument to invest for Brevin Jordan would be, look, 12, 13 personnel, we like running out of this. If we can teach this guy to frame his blocks a little bit better and use him in an H-back role, he can come in and we could utilize 13 personnel without Levine Toilolo. And that would be the thing. It would be Caden Smith, Evan Ingram, and then now Brevin Jordan. And it would create mismatches because you can kind of roll out that heavy 13 personnel. Defense kind of comes out with their linebackers and stuff. And then you go, okay, we're going to spread you out now. Evan Ingram can go and play by the boundary. Brevin Jordan, he can play in the slot. And then Caden Smith can play on the line of scrimmage with one wide receiver on the backside taking up a cornerback. And that, that would be the argument as to why you would. Now, do I feel that the investment outweighs that? No, I do not. I feel like you would rather allocate your resources in another way. But that could be an argument that someone would pose. Yeah, and I think it's an argument that deserves to be entertained. If you think back to maybe it was two or three combines ago, I'm pretty sure, maybe four combines ago, when Kyle Shanahan, who sometimes opens up when these reporters get him one-on-one in these combine-type situations, opened up schematically. And for those of you who don't know, Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the 49ers, took that Falcons offense that's never been anywhere close to the Super Bowl, should have won that Super Bowl. One of the best and most brilliant offensive minds in this game, in my opinion. I think he's on an elite level with Andy Reid and a, and, and a small handful of others who are just transcending the game from an offensive schematic standpoint and from a play calling standpoint. And what he said, I'm going to try to find this exact combine after the show. It's not important, though. What he said is one of the reasons I really like using a fullback in my offense, and fullback, H-back, same type of deal. I mean, you could, they're not interchangeable, but at the same time, they kind of are, especially the way he used them. And I believe it was Yusef, Kyle Yusek at the time, who he was referring to, is that it gives him the opportunity to have a player on the field who doesn't tip off if you're passing or running on any given down. And also what he said is, that's one, that's the key component to it, because obviously Yusek, I think it was at the time, can do both. He can help in the run game as a blocker, or he can flare out into the flat and on different types of routes to give you mismatches as a receiver. But what he also said is what Nick just said, which is super important from a schematic standpoint. It almost forces the defense to play a heavier personnel. It almost forces the defense to get less speed on the field and to kind of tip, not tip their hat, but give a personnel throw on a personnel grouping that is more tailored to at least giving the run its fair due, at least saying, all right, well, they've got a big body there at that H-back fullback position. we got to at least respect that and the potential for them to get an extra blocker in the run game if they opt to go that route. So I'm with you. I think from a schematic standpoint, it can work. I just think this specific prospect 
would take some time and more so than not I haven't seen it in Jason Garrett's offense so this is not the type of coordinator I feel can just adjust on the fly and create some new wrinkle to his offense that he can you know not only create but then maximize with within his system maximize within his play calling get the timing down get the repetitions down all out of nowhere really it's just not something i foresee being something you can throw onto his plate he's got already enough on his plate he has to look at that offense that he threw on tape in 2020 and find ways to just improve his system alone so to me it just feels like a big uh, uh, not a big risk but uh, a gamble that that uh, seems very unlikely to come through if the Giants were to make it. And I also think Brevin Jordan's going to go before early For sure. day three. Yes. I think there are going to be teams who are in much better position than the New York Giants who can invest in this type of player and utilize his skills that probably better than what the New York Giants would anyways. I agree. So I think he'll probably be a day two pick, maybe early in the third round to to a team that that can actually utilize his skill set a little bit better, maybe even late in the second to like a playoff type of team. Yeah, and it's interesting because you think about, you know, where he would fit and then where this position fits overall right now. For the Giants standpoint, from the Giants standpoint, I should say, where would you feel how do you feel about the tight end position in general heading into this offseason, heading into free agent draft? Do you feel like they're kind of set there, I guess, for this season? I don't know. I mean, they just restructured Levine Toilo, he's a guarantee to be on the con uh, roster this season. Kanan Smith still on the con- still under contract for ch- excuse me, cheap. And then Evan Ingram, a guy who, like you said, Joe Judge waxed poetic about a few days ago. So it feels like they got three guys in that room right now that they can count on. Yeah, if you were to ask me this a while back before they restructured Levine Toy Lolo's contract, I would have thought, no, I think they can upgrade because you know they want probably four tight ends on the roster. So I guess you could say there's a spot for another one, but is that going to be a draft pick? That's where I think it can get interesting because there's an argument to be like, no, you need to draft you know, a corner or a linebacker or obviously the offensive line or wide receiver and address all these other positions that the Giants need, edge. Or you could say, "Eh, Evan Ingram might not be on the team next year, and then who are you left with? And that makes you be like, well, maybe they would look at this position a little bit. Right. I think that's a great way to frame it. And I ask that specifically because there's a prospect who you briefly mentioned earlier who I like. It's Pat Fryermuth. I haven't gotten fully through him, but from everything I've seen and read so far, he projects as a potentially two-way tight end. And to me, those guys are unicorns in the NFL. If you're lucky enough to find one, gives you a massive advantage. And what I mean by two-way tight end is a guy you can put in line on the line of scrimmage and he can consistently block against defensive ends and edges that are thrown at him. Basically, it's like George Kitt. I'm sorry. He can do that as one thing. That's the one way. The second way is he can be an impact player in the passing game. Somebody who is also really good at contributing for your team in the passing game, whether it be in the red zone, whether it be moving the sticks, anything like that. Now, ultimately, I think there's basically two in the NFL right now. Um, Rob Gronkowski and George Kittle. I, I mean, Jonu Smith is decent blocker. I wouldn't put him there. He has the frame. He just hasn't really put it all together as a blocker. And besides that, I don't really can't envision too many other tight ends, I think, who are making that two-way impact right now. And that's why I think they're unicorns, because I think, again, it's just like what we just talked about with the fullback position or the h-back position if you can be that player who's on the field and just as just as important to the run game as the pass game and vice versa it really makes it difficult for defenses to use the right personnel against you it makes it difficult for defenses to guess what you're gonna call run or pass based on the personnel you're putting out there so it gives you a nice advantage um so he's gonna be someone i'm intrigued to get into but it, it is a good point though like i don't know if the giants really even have any room or the flexibility to kind of invest in tight end right now. That's why it all goes to trading back. If a trade back were to happen, the right. Giants could add somebody. If they really like him, then they could easily let Evan Ingram go. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Giants fans, want Evan Ingram to you know be gone by the end of this upcoming season. But 
I don't know if that's going to be a foregone conclusion. It really just depends on what he thinks and his agent thinks that he can get on the open market. So I'm sure he probably likes New York, but would the Giants actually invest in him? I don't know, and I don't even see how Evan Ingram could like it. New York. The fans have been just brutal to Evan Ingram. Um, Seems like he just likes the... I mean, it might just be his personality yeah. where he's like a hard worker, really likes the coaching staff. I went to Evan Ingram's camp two summers ago in August to cover to cover his camp for uh, 24-7 sports. It was in uh, somewhere in Bergen County. I can't remember when. So I got a chance to meet him, talk with Evan. I actually met his mom, who was there, Southern Belle, and she... Uh, <laughs> nice lady, and she, she was really nice. I could see where he got his... You know, who he is and his what makes up him as a human being from and he was also really polite nice and a great speaker and i just feel like he is what the giants want everything they want from the character standpoint and the hard working everything like that but ultimately that's secondary what's first and most foremostly important is are you a good football player and right now it's just hard to make the case that he is a good football player and that's the problem i think with the long-term future for evan ingram with the giants i got a funny uh evan ingram story kind of okay so a buddy of mine, he was uh, at a bathroom, right? And he goes into the bathroom and he sees this bigger guy there. And this guy, you know, my buddy's a huge Giants fan. Now he makes eye contact with the guy and it's Evan Ingram at, you know, he's doing his business at a urinal. So whatever. So my buddy's like, oh, you know, that's really cool. It's Evan Ingram. So then my buddy goes to a urinal, you know, adjacent of his and, and starts doing his business. And Evan Ingram finished up and he walked out without washing his hands. <laughs> Dude, dude, dude didn't wash his hands, according to my buddy. <laughs> and I don't think my buddy's a liar. I don't think he would lie about something like that. Very odd. It, it's a very odd Maybe thing. he was hammered. M- maybe. Maybe. I don't I don't believe it was at a club or anything like that. Oh, where would it have been? I don't know. I don't you know. You need more details on this story. Maybe I'll, I'll have to text my buddy. Text and him and get break it down and try to get to the bottom of this, because this is the type of hard-hitting stuff that we deliver on the Big Blue Banter Podcast. This is the type of hard-hitting stuff that our fans have come to expect from us, know. and we have to deliver. It makes sense, though. You know, his hands are a little slippery. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little slip-slip there. A little drop you. passes there and there. I see what you did there. All right, that's all the time we have for today. I'm Brevin Jordan. And this draft profile, as always, keep it locked and loaded on the Big Blue Banter Podcast. We've got a lot coming your way. If you want to help us grow the podcast, if you want to help contribute to our growth, do us a favor. Head over to iTunes. Click download on every podcast you see. Before that, click subscribe because then you'll see every podcast of ours the minute it hits the feed. Then give us a rating, a review. If you ask us any question in that iTunes review, we will answer it almost immediately on the podcast unless there's pressing Giants news, but it will get answered no matter what. It's the best way to get to us, but there's an even better way to reach us. If you want to, you can start joining us every Tuesday night or any Tuesday night, whichever one works for you, at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Locker Room app. Details will be sprayed throughout my Twitter throughout the days that those live shows are going for a live Q&A with Big Blue Banter. It operates as a radio show. It's a lot of fun. It's my favorite thing we've done. I'm excited to continue doing them. And then lastly, follow us on Instagram, NY Big Blue Banter. That's NY in front of the Big Blue Banter, all one word on Instagram. There's a lot of updates coming to Instagram. We're going hard on Instagram lately, and I'm really excited about that as well. So all those are ways to help us and to find more of our content. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.